The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. I hate to admit it, but I'm hooked. I'm hooked on the series The Game of Thrones. Have you seen it? Have you read it? The Game of Thrones is an HBO series based on books by George Martin. It's wildly popular. The books have sold millions of copies. The show earns huge ratings for HBO, and it wins Emmy Awards every year. It tells the story of the land of Westeros, a kingdom made up of seven, seven separate kingdoms that were united long ago by the power of dragons. When the story begins, the dragons are all gone, and only humans remain. The current king is Robert Baratheon. He is a self-centered and foolish man who cares more about his own desires, his own needs, than the needs of his family, than the needs of his kingdom, than the needs of his people in the kingdom. But the real disturbing fact is that the story proves that he's not alone. All of the people who sit on his councils, all of the lords and ladies who attend to him are just as desperately flawed in their own broken ways. So the king's killed, and war begins to rip apart the seven kingdoms. And the intrigue just continues to unfold as Cersei, the queen regent, tries to protect her illegitimate son's claim to the throne. Filled with horror, I can't help it. I keep turning the pages. I keep watching the next episode as more and more people are maimed and killed. I can't help it but turn the page as I read people suffering under these despicable characters who only seek to protect their own interests. The players in Martin's books don't know how to rule. For them, it's all a game of thrones. It's all about collecting power and using that power to further their own interests, to further their own purposes, their own security, their own wealth. Unfortunately, I believe this kind of leadership is not only found on the pages of fiction. If you change the characters just a bit, take out the dragons, you might be reading a history textbook. You might be reading the New York Times about things that are going on in our world today. Something tells me the prophet Jeremiah knows something about the rulers who were found in the Game of Thrones. Jeremiah was a prophet's prophet. Frederick Buechner says there was nothing in need of denunciation that, that Jeremiah didn't denounce. Speaking in God's name, Jeremiah confronted kings and he confronted clergy. He confronted the rich for exploiting the poor and he confronted the poor for doing nothing but complaining. He denounced the many false gods and practices that tended to distract the Israelites. And when he was tired of always being so critical, Jeremiah even denounced God for placing before him this call to be a prophet. Like I said, 
Jeremiah was a prophet's prophet. He was a cultural critic who wasn't afraid to hold his people accountable. I imagine he wasn't very popular when he entered into the street. People would see him coming, and I imagine they would quickly look around and remember that they were needed across town because they didn't want to become the ire of his words. He might have made people uncomfortable, but the truth of the matter is his prophetic speech wasn't wrong. In today's passage, Jeremiah once again challenges the powers of his world. By this time, the kingdom of Israel has already been divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. Judah was where Jerusalem was. Jeremiah was called to speak for God to the southern kingdom of Judah during a time when the power of the Assyrian Empire was waning and the Babylonian Empire was growing. In the face of these global threats that just kept on surrounding the poor people of Judah, the leaders repeatedly demonstrated their greed for power, their greed for wealth, and how these things led them away from fulfilling God's call for their lives. If you look back at chapter 21 of Jeremiah, he clearly outlines their failures and his frustrations with them. But here in the 23rd chapter, it is clear that Jeremiah is tired, tired of seeing God's people suffer as the kings of Judah play their own version of the Game of Thrones. He says to them, "'Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture,' says the Lord." When you look back at the preceding chapters, you can see that when Jeremiah uses the term shepherd, he is not talking about the unbathed men who were in the fields tending to the animals. He was talking about the kings and their pastoral role to care for the God's people. Jeremiah was talking directly to the rulers to the powers that were in the land who had failed to care for God's people, who had failed to protect them, who had failed to ensure that they could worship as they were called to worship. But in the face of their failure, God is faithful still. Speaking through Jeremiah, God says to the people, don't worry, I've got you. I'm going to attend to those who scattered you. Don't worry. I will gather you home. You will once again prosper and have no reason to fear. Don't worry. I've got you. I know there are all these global powers that are around you, but they will mean nothing to you. Because the days are coming when a righteous branch of David, not these pathetic saplings you've had around you so far, but a righteous branch will come and rule over you, will come and protect you from the world. A righteous branch will come, not just for you, 
but for your brothers and sisters in Israel too. Jeremiah, don't forget, was called to speak to the southern kingdom, to Judah. But it is clear from his words that God has not forgotten the people of Israel either, the northern kingdom. Now, as a southerner, I have to stop and just say, let's be clear, the promise first came to the southerners in the room. But the truth of the matter is, the promises were never just for one people. The promises were never for one individual or one country. They were always, always for all of God's children. The promises of God that a righteous branch will come were always for all of God's children. But what does that promise have to do with us? We don't have kings. Our world doesn't work that way anymore, right? My guess is we can relate more than we care to admit to the life and times of the prophet Jeremiah. We know what it is like to live in a time when multiple world powers are rising up around us. We know what it is like, especially as we move into this holiday season, to have many different cultural powers trying to claim us, trying to define us, trying to claim us as their own. We know what it is like to watch as powerful private interests continue to shape the public good. We know what it's like to watch our leaders forsake the call to work for justice for all people in an effort to maintain a sense of power and prestige. We know what it's like more than we like to admit On Christ the King Sunday, we gather to give thanks for the righteous branch who came as a babe laid in a manger. We gather on Christ the King Sunday to give thanks for the person that baby grew to be, for the ways he embodied God's love, for the ways we have been gathered into the kingdom of the beloved Son by his life-giving death and resurrection. We gather because we know the powers of this world are fickle. We know the powers of this world are not strong enough to claim us. We know the powers of this world are not powerful enough to define our lives. We gather on Christ the King Sunday because we know there is only one power who can. We gather to give thanks for the person of Jesus Christ, for he was the fullness of God, the one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile all things. We gather to give thanks for the power who has claimed us in the waters of baptism, who gathers us at the table to feed and sustain us for the road ahead.
confident of Christ's reconciling power in the world, we, like Jeremiah, are called to go out to confront the powers that fail to work for justice and peace in the world today. We are called to speak truthfully to our brothers and sisters, saying, don't worry. God is here. Don't worry. God is gathering you, even as we speak. We, as a community, have done this in the past. When this community recognized a pressing need for a safe place to nurture children and youth of all ages in Cleveland Heights, we leveraged our power in Christ to create the Heights Youth Club. And when powerful interests within Cleveland Heights said, no, we don't want that, we don't want that kind of community gathered in this place, we stood up and we said, don't worry, God is here. Don't worry. God is gathering us together. And now, this very day, we support a ministry at the Heights Youth Club that is full each and every day with children and youth who need a place to go. Through the greater Cleveland congregations, we are still involved in this work. Together with other Christian brothers and sisters, together with our Jewish brothers and sisters, together with our Muslim brothers and sisters, we are confronting the powers of this world that seek to define us and separate us. We stand together and cry out for justice. We stand together and serve as a vehicle for the power of God to work out reconciliation and peace. We stand together, trusting that God's promise was not only for us, but for all people. Let us give thanks this day for Christ our King, the righteous branch of David, in whom we live and move and have our being. Let us give thanks for Christ our King, who claims us as his own who brings us into the very arms of God, the one power that is larger than all. Thanks be to God. Amen.